Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. It's 106 in Edmonton. Number number two of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. You can reach us on our River Career Resort Casino hotline. Keep texting us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday through Saturday. Gordo just texted in on the show to say, uh, Bob, uh, you m- mentioned Yamamoto contract extension. Two week in the playoffs over the last couple of years. Well, sometimes it takes those guys a little bit of time. We'll see. Still a very young player. You can tweet us at Oilers now. Tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer. Tweet Brendan Escott. Brendan with two E's, Escott with two e, uh, T's. We'll tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Now open for takeout orders. Full details at jvedmonton.ca. We head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. We welcome back to the show John Sexsmith, Edmonton, uh, longtime Edmonton-based sportscaster years ago. He uh, did the uh, 6.30 Chad pregame show on a winner's broadcast, but he's been in global television for, geez, it's got to be 17, 18, 19. How many years now is it, John, that you've been at Global? 25. 25 years. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Geez, I I think when you first went there, I only had uh, maybe one chin. I'm just trying to think. Like. it's the oldest joke of the book, right? Try the right. All right. How you doing? What's going on? What do you think? What's caught well, your eye? What's what? The, well, let's start with the Oilers. Uh, I asked the – because I got some calls this morning, uh, John, about uh, – specifically from guys out east, how the hell do the Oilers get swept four straight games by this Winnipeg team? And I said, well, Winnipeg you know, lost to Mello 15 seconds into the series against Montreal. Yeah. Shifley takes himself out of the series. Hellebuck's, mm-hmm. post, Hellebuck's posted an 897. He was 950 against Edmonton. Yeah. And things change quickly. Give me your assessment, uh, first of all, on what happened. What did you think of what went wrong for Edmonton in a playoff series against the Winnipeg Jets? Well, first of all, Connor Hellebuck was in Vesna winning form against the Oilers. Uh, I think second, the Oilers were outcoached. And if you want to get into that a little bit more, I can, I suppose. I, I, I wasn't sure that uh, Dave Tippett should have stuck with McDavid and Dreisaitl together as long as he did. And I know the fans were clamoring for that combination for most of the season. Uh, it, you, you needed to, to spread things out a little bit in that series, and that didn't happen. And I think that Evan Bouchard may have been a good injection into the Oilers' defense 
uh, I think they could have used him, and he seems to, you know, provide the right stuff when he's in the lineup. So that, to me, and and the depth, uh, or at least the the, the util, utilization of the lines, um, wasn't there for me either. The Jets were rolling four lines for the most part. The Oilers went down to two essentially when things really got rough. So that likely was the difference. And there really wasn't much wiggle room in that series considering, you know, what was it? Three of the games went to overtime. So, you know, not much, but a lot, I guess, in the end. All right. Let's talk about the coaching. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I will, I, I will say this. I, I was a little bit surprised. I think the number was out of the 56 games. I think Connor and Leon basically centered their own line roughly. I don't know, 40 to 44 games in that range. And, and mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, they still saw the occasional shift out of a PK situation where they were on the right. ice five on five. But, John, uh, you make an interesting point. So they basically moved away from Drysettle and New- or Drysettle and McDavid centering their own line once the Jets went up 2-1 in the third period of game one. And they mm-hmm. ne- and they really kind of didn't go back to it much, did they? No. Uh, that, that one did surprise me, especially – do you not agree that both guys can kind of drive his own line? Definitely. Especially, you know, when Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto were clicking along. Um, you know, why not try that? Uh, you know, and we were doing the 2020 hindsight thing, but to me that made a little more sense. Because of the Jets' depth, that would kind of spread things out and, and uh, force the Jets to do more to try and defend. And, you know, you could play with Connor McDavid and, uh, you know, be effective on that line. So um, not that you were uh, a poor hockey player or anything, but you know what I'm saying? You, you could, he can drive anybody when he's centering a line. So that was a bit strange to me. And then, you know, when I said that maybe Evan Bouchard would have been a healthy injection, um, I don't know if I would necessarily pin that one on Dave Tippett, but certainly, uh, you know, something to change things up, uh, a look, um, you know, more offense, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, that may have been the difference in the series. So, but I so, think in the end, it was Hellebuck that probably won the series for the Jets. Oh, I think it's, I mean, the guy had a 950 save percentage, John Sexsmith, Global TV. If you had put Bouchard, and I, and I got to tell you, I was surprised at his deployment during the season. I thought mm-hmm. there was ample yep. opportunity. In the, sure. final, in the final 20 games to get him back in there. It, it, it was apparent the Oilers were going to make the playoffs. This year, it didn't really matter where you finished because there's no fans, at least in the opening round. I was right. surprised he couldn't get it. Now, I realize they had some cap issues, um, and I certainly voiced my opinion uh, on Zoom calls separate from the, the – the, like, I just – I don't know about you, John. Like, don't you kind of have to bet on talent once in a while? And in theory, who would you have played – or who would you have taken out of the mix if you'd put Bouchard in? Ethan Bear, unequivocally. Um, I, I think Bouchard's a better skater. Um, he's more skilled. Uh, he does a lot more things better, um, and he can skate backwards. <laughs> and so I think that's that might be a decision the others are going to have to make in the long run between those two. Um, so why not see what uh, developed early? So I, I, once again, um, it never makes for great radio when you are, are talking because we share many of the same opinions. Yeah. But to me, I don't know who you think would have been the, the well, right move, but I would I would have uh, easily traded um, Bouchard and 
uh, bear if I was going to make a change defensively. Uh, all right, and, and I I might argue that maybe what the Oilers should have done is gone four right shot guys more than just going head to head against the Toronto Maple Leafs when they're at the height of their game in early March. I would have revi- I I personally would have revisited putting uh, Bouchard back in on the left side at some point down the stretch to see how he'd do. If it was okay. me, I would I would have looked at that. Uh, there could be a strong, from an analytics perspective, you take it for what it's worth. There's a strong analytics argument that would support Bear playing. I got to tell you, John, I was. I, I don't know why there was that lack of trust in Bouchard. He's done everything that the organization has asked of him. Yeah. He's he's really come along in terms of his overall game. He's a mature guy, young guy. He he's really taken the necessary steps to become an everyday NHLer. The question why was why he didn't get more opportunities. I don't know. Maybe you do. But um, to me, it would make yeah. more sense to have given him more opportunities during the regular season in an effort to test him for the I'm, playoffs. I, yeah, we, we, I think we agree. I'd say this about Bear. Like, to me, Bear did not get to the level that he was at last year. No. That that said, the analytics guys will make the argument that Bear was a better pairing to, to play uh, with than uh, – then Tyson Berry. Now, Berry had a real good game four for Edmonton, but he had some mm-hmm. tough moments. Tough moments, John, in the first couple of games against the Jets. He turned some bucks over, jumped yes. up a couple times, and they got some right. odd man breaks, and the owners were lucky they weren't chasing. I think if it was, I probably would have gone for a right shot D if it was me. Okay. I, I'm serious. Like, and Now, one thing I got to ask you, because you played defense, um, and I... I you know, Bear turns the puck over, and he right. turned one over earlier in the game. But he turns one yep. over six minutes into the third period. Were you surprised? Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of like you. Kind of got to let a guy. You've stuck with Bear to this point. Mm-hmm. Why would you not just let him play his way through it in that situation? How would you respond to that? Well, I would, during the game, I said to my son, he probably won't see the ice for the rest of the game. Um, but I was saying that mostly in jest. Uh, I would have given him two or three shifts to kind of shake it off and get him yeah. back in again to see if he could have shaken it off. Uh, quite surprised that he was glued to the bench for pretty much the whole game. Yeah, the owners, uh, I mean, we all knew they had some depth issues, and the question needs to be asked, did they further uh, those depth issues by the, minimizing the deployment options that they had uh, come mm-hmm. crunch time against Winnipeg? All right, J- uh, John Sexman joining us right now. Now, John, you mentioned your son. Joel's playing for the Red Deer Rebels in the Western Hockey League. You yourself right. have also taken on coaching. Um mm-hmm. How dramatically has it changed? Because you're doing minor hockey coaching. How much has it changed as an example? And you're a few years older than me. But, you know, in terms of the the age group maybe that you grew up with and the approaches that coaches took back then versus, like, you know, have you yourself had to kind of change maybe the way you are a bit to deal with today's player and try to create, you know, I would think, you know, positive relationships right from the onset? Yeah, it's all about trust. Definitely yeah. trust and communication. And this is a, this is my second tour of duty as a coach, Bob. I coached when I was much younger yeah. in my late, late teens and then into my uh, uh, mid twenties. And then I had the fork in the road where I had to start, you know, considering my, my career, which was in the media. And I couldn't demand the players and the parents make time commitments when I was, you know, all over the place, because as you know, in our business, uh, there's really no such thing as nine to five. So, you know, I, I, what I did then is what I try to do now is to be able to communicate and, um, 
that's a very difficult thing these days because kids are on their phones all the time and that that makes it tough to find the right line for communication um the other thing is that when you and i were kids i think we were a little harder than what we see in today's athletes is um you know their intimidation wasn't necessarily a problem you know we had coaches that were hard on us um that used intimidation tactics that didn't seem to you know cause too much difficulty however now that's that's not a tactic that will work uh, pretty much in any situation so that's a big thing um you know you want to find the right lines of communication to try and get across the message to these kids you know whether it be teaching coaching um uh, whatever um so that's a big difference than when you and i played and you can't embarrass kids and and that's how it works in the nhl too you know you can't embarrass your players um particularly with social media the way it is otherwise you lose the trust of those players and in in turn you you lose the intensity and energy of that player along with it what do you think about what's going on in boston with jake debrusque it seems like i mean well, the coach, bruce cassidy does there's not a, a- there's a prime example isn't it a player who's been embarrassed, and, and Jake's a pretty darn good player. If you know he was a first-round pick, and uh, he's got a lot of he, like his hockey smarts uh, to go along with his skill, uh, was it necessary for that to happen publicly? So, uh, you, you know, has it has it led to an improvement in Jake's game? Maybe a little, but uh, overall, I, I, how do you how do you trust your coach that he's not going to throw you under the bus again and that's where we have the problem with you know trust issues so if there's a problem you know maybe you sit down like men and you talk about it and you figure out a solution to the problem and you don't bring it you know to the public eye so uh, you know i'm I'm not going to doubt what cassidy's done he's had a pretty good success rate as a nhl head coach but i will doubt what he did in that particular case well you know it's interesting because you and me watched the evolution of mike babcock john sexsmith joining us from global tv there's a lot the moment we met him we said that guy is nhl material did we not we did and 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 you know why do you remember why you you tell me why i'm gonna be interested because he could communicate and Something you saw happened. what he got out of that Lethbridge team in his first year as head coach. If he doesn't get those points across to that team, they never go anywhere. But yeah. he did, and they did, and they ended up winning um, you know, the CIAU at that time championship. And he, he grew and he evolved as a coach, and he yep. had some success. Right. Go, he goes to Toronto, and then he goes to a young player, Mitch Marner, and says, compare yourself to the other guys in terms of work ethic. And right. that's that story got out combined with some so other then stuff. What what happened? What, then? what, what he did went, he revert he, to? He went the opposite way of a guy exactly. like Nick Saban out of Alabama. He went to intimidation, which was probably something that he dealt with when he was a player. So it, did it work? No, it cost him his career. So you have to really be careful because kids are ultra sensitive these days. And if you tread a little too further, far past the line, it's tough getting back again. Yeah. Uh, the carpet guy has texted in to say it's Andy. He says, Bob and Brendan, John is bang on. 
I know you also wanted Bouchard in, Bob. Tippett waffled and wavered, and eventually paralysis by analysis did tip it in. Holland says Andy S. has done very little for this team since his hire. Connor and Leon and Jesse and Darnell and Tyson and uh, and Mike don't, were ex- Don't get ex- me wrong, Bob, or your listeners. Hey. I like Dave Tippett. I think he's a terrific coach. Um, yep. But his record in the playoffs is what? 14, 15 games under 500? So what what is different between the way he coaches during the regular season and the playoffs? That's kind of what I want to know because now, the you're also going, coming along. Yeah. Pardon me? I was going to say, John. coming along beautifully yeah. during the regular season, and they looked like whoosh, they were going. And then all of a sudden, you know, urch, the, what happened? So um, I don't get it. Um, I don't know if you have any theories or if you've offered any, but to me that was kind of strange the way things kind of – developed if you will in the playoffs my theory is Tippett has the Oilers ready and they and in the last two years have come in 12th and 11th overall in the league they never are ill prepared to play against weaker teams they get those games and so they put themselves in the playoff mix now they get elevated once they get to the playoffs and the one thing I would say against both Chicago and this year against Winnipeg that was concerning to me was how Edmonton came out in both games to start the series, right? Like yeah. they they got they worked their way back into the series against Chicago, lost a couple one goal games. You know what? They they blew the lead. There's a whole other story there on on what happened in game three against the Jets, three games in overtime. But I would have liked Edmonton. I bet you if 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 Dave took some truth serum, he'd probably tell you he would have liked the Oilers to have had a better start in both their series against Chicago and again against Winnipeg. And, and here's another one for you, John. And that's what I liked about the Oilers down the stretch, Bob was their energy and enthusiasm. Never underestimate those two things because they were having fun. You know, Connor McDavid was smiling and high-fiving, and, you know, it was infectious, and the team was really enjoying playing it, and it was enjoyable to watch that sort of hockey. And then it kind of got lost. And I think that's what's happened with the Jets because, you know, that energy and enthusiasm and intensity that they were playing with doesn't seem to be there at all. And what the Jets beat the Oilers with, goaltending, um, uh, depth, and coaching seems to be in the reverse now. And the other thing about Montreal is their defense. Uh, they, their defense might be the best in the league right now. So you combine that with who, who might be the best goalie in the league right now. Isn't that how you're supposed to win in the playoffs? Defense, well, that- goaltending? Now, and now we have sounds like uh, and now and they're rolling four lines, so yes, you know, and they're getting better it seems. Whereas the Jets seem to be getting worse, or not, I'm not saying, maybe not worse, but they don't seem to be improving. Well, they've lost. The, they've, they've lost the defenseman. They've lost their best player. Yeah. And their goalie's fighting the puck right now, babe. Here we go. Uh, John, here comes a different perspective for you. As for the Jets against the Oilers, as Edmonton-based Texter says in round one, they literally won three coin tosses and got away with countless penalties. Uh, this series, the ref is actually calling the infractions, and they're getting exposed between yeah, Winnipeg and Montreal. Perhaps. That's, that's, and that's, that's another thing about the playoffs that has been mystifying to me is I, for, for the longest time, I, I really didn't know what a penalty was anymore, and I'm sure the players didn't either and that's very confusing and how are you supposed to play when you don't know what a penalty is so um one one, one more john mcdavid didn't draw a penalty in that entire series are you kidding 
Yeah, well, here we go. Cal and Spruce Grove. I just want to read this one to you. Uh, I think what would have changed the Toronto series and the Oilers series in the first round is if the referees decide to call power plays. I'm watching some of these yeah. games with Tampa. Tampa's getting six power plays sure. and three power play goals the other night. Edmonton got very few calls in four games. And what about McDavid not getting a call? Eight straight playoff games. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, True. Tom Tom Wilson leads the league in drawing penalties. Wrap your head around that. That one comes to us from Cal. And again, it sounds like a uh, you know a loser's lament when when you when you no. take text in, but it is a factor in what transpired. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that that, w- that factored into the loss as well too. So um, yeah, there were a lot of things that didn't go right, but um, it wasn't like a lot of things went wrong because the Oilers played pretty well. Um, I talked about what I thought the difference was. Um, They just need to have a little bit more. And that's going to be, you know, the big question going into next season. Can they just get a little bit more? Yeah. Well, you know what? They're in the right division. They add a little bit more depth. Uh, They were second in the division two years ago when we got shut down. They finished second this year in the Canadian division. I think they'll be a playoff team next year. The question, John, is going to be how how much progression are they going to have? That'll be the big question. Yeah. Well, there's... There's a, there's a number of moves that they can make, so we'll see what happens over the next little while. Let's do this again. Thanks for your time, John. All, uh, anytime there, Big Bobby Clobber. Oh, there's one blast from the past. That is John Sexsmith from uh, Global Sports. Again, some guests on the show received gift certificates to Japanese Village, now open for takeout orders. Full details at jvedvinton.ca. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, it's like a conversation at most sports parlor in about 1993. We'll take a quick time out. You're listening to Oilers now. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. 128 at Edmonton. A quick text. Phil, fear the fin, the San Jose Sharks fan, says, in my humble opinion, the John Sexsmith, a former teammate on the Clyde Sharks, is an Edmonton sporting icon. There you go. Uh, John Sexton is joining us from Global TV. All right, there's an old saying in the car business. Cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin is committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. If you currently have a vehicle that you're not using enough or payments or interest rates that are too high or a vehicle you want to sell or refinance or potentially trade in for a different vehicle, go visit Uncle Milt, Rich Johnny in the game, Brent Rich Ford. Give him a call, one 877 or visit com. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Come back with 
Hart Levine from Puckpedia when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.